0: We've been on a series, you guys, that we've been calling no matter what. Three words, no matter what. And what we're doing is and what we have been doing is we've been looking at the way that God has called us and how he loves us no matter what. Can everybody say no matter what? Yay. Can you say it one more time a little louder? No what. All right. No matter what. And not only did he loves us no matter what, but he has called us to serve him no matter what as well. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at the book of Philippians. We've been going chapter by chapter, chapter one, two, three, and today is chapter 4. So today we're going we're gonna to wrap up our series of no matter what and look at how God has called us in the book of Philippians to, to, to serve Him and to understand His love. And the book of Philippians is chock full of this word called joy. And we, we talked a little bit about that. I'm going to do a little bit of a, of a review of, of, of about that word and the series that we've been on. And so it's going to be good. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open up your Bibles in the book of Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at that. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, no worries. Everything I read is going to be up on the big screen. But if you have your Bible and you're like, where the heck is Philippians? It's in all of your Bibles, I guarantee. Um, just look at the table of contents. You can find it in there. It's a small little book in the New Testament written by a guy named Paul. And so we're going to look at that and it's we're going to have a great time together I'm excited and happy that we're going to be able to dive in through this message together Hopefully we'll learn some things and hopefully as we leave here We'll come out a little different than the way we came in. Can somebody say yes? Yes. All right, so if you're ready, i'm ready before we jump in though the title of what I want to talk about is called deep water relationships deep water relationships so, uh as I talk about deep water, I want to tell you guys a little bit uh, about my boys. My boys just give me so many stories. So many stories. Every day, I got a story I could share. Um, So, it's great. I love it. But one of the things is that we have been taking our boys to swimming classes. And one of the biggest motivations for that is we live in South Florida. Hello, there's bodies of water everywhere around us, especially the one, I don't know if you noticed, Right next to this building, there is a beautiful body of water, which I would love to do baptisms in there sometime. Of course, the only thing that scares me is... Yeah, the only thing that I'm just like, "Mm, I would love to do it in there. It looks clean, but I haven't seen ducks floating around there recently, so I just, you know, hesitate to want to do a baptism, but I do like it, and maybe we'll we'll do that sometime. I think it'd be great. I can't wait to do baptisms, actually. That's something we haven't done since I got here, and I would love to do some baptisms. If we don't do it there, we'll do it here. If we don't do it here, we'll do it on the beat. We'll do something, and we'll have some baptisms, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I would love to do it, so we'll we'll keep your eyes peeled for that coming up here in the next few months. Uh, God willing, we'll be able to do that. So anyway, going back to the story of the boys, so we've been taking these classes, and our our main goal is at least the boys will learn how to swim to the edge of the pool, right? Because there's bodies of water everywhere. At least you can swim to the edge of the pool. Hold on until somebody can help you. So we're taking them through these classes, and and the classes, I don't know if this is like everywhere that this happens, but in the classes we're taking them to, uh, I could be driving to the class, classes on Fridays at 4 30 I could be driving to the class and all of a sudden I get a phone call from someone at the at the place and they're saying hey you know you've scheduled Esteban or Abdiel for the class today but we have to reschedule the class like it's happened to me I've been on my way and I'm like what why and they're like well a kid pooped in the pool and so it's going to take a few hours for us to clean it out. And and, and I'm like, you mean you can't, like, scoop it out? You know, I mean, like, I'm on my way. I have to schedule another day, reschedule my host, take them to a class again. Like, come on, like, just scoop it out. Let's keep going, you know. But no, they t- apparently the way they work, and I don't know if this happens across the board at anywhere you take swimming classes at, but apparently it takes a few hours to clean out the water, and you cannot have other kids in the water it's a all of that. So, but it made me think about, you know, how many of us in our lives, we are swimming, and I talked about this for the past few weeks, are swimming in the shallow end of the water or of a pool in our lives. And God is calling us to swim in the deep end of the pool or a, a pool that is in the deep end, but we are swimming in with our floaties on, as my boys are, the floaties on, splishing and splashing in the shallow end of the water. And, and the truth is, you know, that shallow end, those, those kiddie pools, they're always a little bit warmer than the other pools. And I think there's a reason for that, because the diapers can't catch everything. You know, it's a little bit warmer in these kiddie pools for a reason, I think. Um, And so, but God is, you know, he's calling us not to swim in the kiddie pool. You know, in the kiddie pool, we talked about in the past few weeks about happiness and and the difference between happiness and joy. And Now, happiness is, is, is based on happenings and circumstances and feelings. And you can be, you know, at the shallow end of the pool, you can stand. You don't have to worry about swimming. You could just stand and splish splash and it's a happy place. It's a happy time. You can be in the pool there. But but I feel like God is calling us to deep, the deeper end. Where you know you can't really touch the ground and you gotta swim and you gotta float in order to stay above it. But it's 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 a place of joy. The difference between happiness and joy is is a deeper place. And I feel like God is calling us to that. And especially when it comes to relationships. Can somebody say yes? I'm going to tell you a story about these two ladies. One of them is called Sophia, and the other one is called Camila. By the way, I love the name Camila. I think it's an awesome name, Camila. Uh, I've been talking to Maria about that. Babe, I just like that name, Camila. It's such a nice name. She's like, don't get any ideas. Okay, so I'm not getting any ideas, but I do like that name. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Sophia and Camila, they um, they were friends, they were friends, and, and they actually got together and started, helped to start a church together. And they gave of their lives together. They served. They saw God's love being, you, you know, they were being used by, by God, and, and they were sharing about God's love, and they were doing this in their community. And, and as a result, the church grew, and, and, and they just kept pouring themselves into the work of the gospel. But what happened? Sofía and Camila got in a disagreement and it wasn't one of those disagreements where it's like a knockdown drag out let's put the vaseline on you know girls cat fight you know the nails it wasn't one of those because they had been changed by the gospel they had been impacted by the gospel so they knew they weren't going to behave that way but they had a disagreement so much so that it was actually dividing the church it was dividing their church and, and they realized that and and sophia one it, she longed for the day that this would just be squashed and we you know she regretted that this was happening in the, in the church and happening with their friendship. And, and she was longing for the day where they could just be together like bros. But Sophia remembered those days when everything was about the gospel, and that's what mattered most, was getting into God's presence and the scriptures and prayer. But now there was so much resentment that even in, with the mention of Camila's name, something inside of her would bubble up and make her feel uneasy. And then all of a sudden, as she's sitting there thinking about this with Camila, she hears her name being mentioned, and she's like, why is my name being mentioned? She was in church. She was sitting in church, and she hears the guy who is the pastor of the church now reading this letter, and she hears her name mentioned in the letter. She's like, wait, he just mentioned my name. This letter that was written by the guy who founded the church, Paul, she, she, she hears her name. She's like, why did Paul say my name? Out loud. And then he mentions Camila's name out loud. He said, wait, 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 why? And because Paul had known there was a disagreement going on between them. But yet, why would he call them out by name in front of the whole church? And, you know, this is one of those letters that gets read to the whole church, but then not just this church, but all the churches in the region, they would read this. So, hey, Paul, why are you putting our stuff? He knew that there was some tension there between them, and he put their stuff out there. Why would he do such a thing? I mean, we're having a disagreement, but why would you call us out like that? That's kind of mean there, Paul. Well, let's look at chapter 4 here in the book of Philippians. Therefore, my brothers and sisters you whom i love and long for my joy and crown stand firm in the lord in this way dear friends i plead with sophia and camilla i mean Eudea and syntyche to be of the same mind in the lord yes i ask you my true companion help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are also, whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So, in this first chapter of Philippians, I'm sorry, in the final chapter of Philippians, Paul urges the members of this church to stand firm in their faith. And he didn't he talks a lot about joy all throughout the book. 14 times he talks about this word joy. And he tells them to be of one mind in Christ Jesus and to continue to strive for the sake of what, y'all, the gospel. All these things Paul tells them and he says, as you strive, as you try to be in one mind, as you, you, you stand united and, and, and do this, you, I, I want you to be full of joy. So what's up with Sophia and Camila? I mean, Eudea and Syntyche. What's up with them being mentioned? He wants them to be of one mind and to strive for the sake of the gospel. Paul is saying, hey, bro, ladies, Let's put this disagreement, this fallen out behind us and let's lean into God and what He wants us to do. No matter what. And as we talked about earlier for Paul, joy does not equal happiness, right? The joy Paul writes about is not dependent on our own emotional state or our external fa- factors or the, the the effect of how good we feel. But real joy comes from where? It comes from knowing Jesus through obedience, knowing Jesus through obedience. And so real joy sustains us even in our sorrow. Can somebody say yes? Real joy is neither an emotion nor something we can produce on our own. Real joy can only be found by living in close relationship with Jesus. And so Paul loves the people in Philippi deeply. I mean, he calls them what? My joy and my crown. He's proud of the way that he's worked together to develop a church. You guys, we got this thing from the ground up. There was a groundswell of, of these prison guards and this lady named Lydia and this other lady that got to, you know, delivered from a demon. And we just came together. We just started this thing and we worked together and we developed a church. And, and he knows how they have suffered for the sake of the gospel while remaining faith, faithful to Jesus. And this is why it pains Paul to learn that that the two of the leaders in the church, these women who have worked alongside him in ministry, are now at odds with each other. Now we don't know what exactly was the disagreement between both of them. We don't know what it was that caused Eudea and Syntyche to, to have this fallen out. But what we do know is that it apparently was known throughout the church. Everybody knew there was an issue, right? Paul doesn't bother to to name it, but Paul, he doesn't take sides in the argument either. He just says, you guys, let's get past this. He urges each woman to be reconciled to the other. Now, it is important to note that Paul, he calls these women by name. He calls them by name. He actually mentions them, not because they're the enemies of the church or enemies of the gospel who need to be reprimanded. That's not his goal. His goal is he does it because everybody knows who they are, And there have been faithful workers who are his dear friends. And in his own letters, Paul has generally banished his opponents. He doesn't even mention them in other letters. Whenever there's somebody, an enemy of the gospel, he doesn't even usually mention who they are. But here, he names two people that he cherishes, and he begs them to be of one mind in the Lord. And then he does something quite remarkable. He addresses a third individual as well. He addresses them. Now, he doesn't mention him by name, but he asks that that person help these women resolve their differences. Let's look at the scripture again. Paul writes this. He says, yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. So Paul not only recognizes the important role that Eudea and Syntyche had in the ministry of the church in Philippi, but he knows they cannot be reconciled to one another just on their own efforts or by themselves. They need a, someone to help facilitate this. So he asks another dear friend and to help these women. And he knew that sometimes a facilitator is needed to Squash something, right? A facilitator is needed to help bring some peace and a different perspective and a walk through things together. So Paul's exuberance takes center stage again. He says, Rejoice! After you guys are able to stand together, rejoice! And he tells them again, he says, and and one time is not enough. I gotta tell you again, rejoice together in the Lord. Find your joy in Christ who died to save you, who rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he will come again. Find your joy in this hope that Jesus is coming back. Right in the middle of this passage, Paul gives us the reason for our hope. He says, the Lord is near. Not only is the day of the Lord near, near to us but Jesus is near to you he's right beside us he's walking with us he is near he's present with us be of one mind in the lord and rejoice so easy to get distracted with the details of uh, and we lose sight of the greater vision that god has called us to and we're, we're asking us, where's the joy in our lives? Because we're so caught up with the details that we might wonder as we do the hard work of becoming uh, the church of Christ that He's called us to be, that, that we lose sight of this. And one person's vision maybe runs in conflict with another person's vision. It collides and, and there's this, you know, they're, they're both equally passionate about these visions, but it, it takes the wind right out of you when you're, you're conflicting and, and it takes the wind out of our sails. And instead of moving forward with a purpose, this, it can feel that we are rowing in circles and we're not getting anywhere. And this is precisely Paul's point. He says, we're striving without success. We're squabbling with our brothers and sisters, but we serve alongside each other. And Paul reminds us, he urges us, rejoice in the Lord, always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all. Be of one mind in the Lord. Be of of, of, of one mind. It doesn't matter nearly as much. Being right doesn't matter as much as being united in mission. Can somebody say yes? Being right doesn't matter as, I'll say it again because that was really good. Being right doesn't matter as much as being united together in mission. Can somebody say yes? So the mission is spelled out for us at the end of the book of Matthew. If you want to look up here or find it up in your script in, in the Bible, Matthew, it says, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. So our job is what? It's to make, help me out, starts with a D. Our job is to make disciples. We do that by being witnesses to the joy and the peace that God has given us, that we've experienced through Jesus. And we do that by building these deep water relationships. What kind of relationships are we talking about? We're talking about three. Number one. We're talking about relationships with people outside of our church. Having these deep water relationships with people outside of our church. We're also talking about having these deep water relationships with people inside of our church. And then we're also talking about having this deep water relationship with God. Let's talk about that first. Let's talk about these deep water relationships with outs- with people outside of our church. This is why Paul says this. He says let your gentleness be evident To everyone. What's he saying here? He's saying, you guys, let people outside of the church, let them see your softened hearts. Let them see your joy, your desire to to serve God. And not only that they might see it, but that that way they can also find it and want it themselves. You guys, that's why we we do what we do. Uh, Marie was up here a little while earlier talking about feeding the homeless. That's why we go do that. And we're going to do it again in a few weeks. and That's why we do that. We, we go feed the homeless because we want the people that we're surrounded with, the people we get to meet, the people that see us as we're going. We want to see this unity, this joy, this peace. We want to bring hope to the people that we meet. That's why we do what we did last Saturday with the water bottle giveaway. We go to try to connect people and let them see the joy that we have, you know? Otherwise, maybe we would never meet them, but we're out in the intersection giving out these waters because we have this joy and we want to share this joy and this peace that God gives us. We do this so people can see that, that, that followers of Jesus are the real deal. We're not this, we don't just put this thing on on Sundays, but this is who we are throughout the week. And we're not trying to thump people over the head with the Bible and you need to convert. No, no, no. We're just... We're just letting people know and see that we're followers of Jesus and, and that God isn't angry with them, Amen. right? There's so many times, you know, this week, actually Tuesday, a group of us, a group of young adults and me, and I'll say it like that because I'm not a young adult anymore, so just an adult now. 41 makes you an adult, not a young adult anymore. So, so a group of us came on Tuesday. We went to uh, a school, a high school, just a few exits north on the Palmetto Expressway in Hialeah called Matter Academy and we went to the school and we 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 partnered with an organization that was driving down from Orlando that was going to do this outreach to high middle school and high school students and they presented the gospel And so our role was, as a church, as a Doral Vineyard, is help them with the next steps. After they hear the gospel and they say yes, what do they do then? That's where we're like, we come in and we can help you with the next steps. That's why every Sunday we invite people to follow Jesus. And after we say, hey, if you just said that prayer, you checked off that box, we want to help you with your next steps. That's what we do as a church. We want to help you with your next steps. Hopefully, we're helping all of us here with our next steps in following Jesus. And, and so that's what we did. This past Tuesday, we went to Matter Academy. We partnered with this organization, and they shared the gospel, and we served them. We served them pizza with gentleness and love and joy. We served them Gatorade with gentleness and love and joy. And we had a big water balloon fight as well. And it was great. It was great. We got to share this this opportunity with them, and they got to know us. And so after... There was a great response of people that said, yes, I want to know Jesus. A great response. It was awesome. We were so pumped. We all came back from the outreach thinking, wow, that was awesome. We just got to see young people, middle school kids and high school kids say yes to Jesus. And so we we want to help them with the next steps. Now it's on us as a church, as a Doral Vineyard. How do we help them in their next step, help them grow in this decision that they made? But what stuck out to me was that and also stuck out to me was how many didn't say yes, but did say, I I don't think I'm good enough to have a relationship with Jesus. You guys, our world is chock full of people that think that God is angry with them. Our world is chock full of people that think that they're not good enough to have a relationship with Jesus. And I was thinking, wow, if this is middle school and high school, and I have traveled to many countries in the world, and I have heard it over and over again, I don't think I'm i 'm wondering how did this message get ingrained to us? How long has this message been pumped into us since we were young? most likely these are middle school kids they 're getting a message that that they don 't feel good enough to, to have a relationship with jesus you guys it 's on us. To be this example and to go out there and have these deep water relationships with these people so we can share God's love and God's peace and and let them know God is not angry with you. He loves you. And let them know you can have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it be all nice, pristine, and cleaned up before you can have a relationship with Jesus. Can somebody say yes? So number one is having a deep water relationship with those outside of our church. The next deep water relationship that I believe God is calling us to have is a relationship, a deep water relationship with each other. And as we get to have this deep water relationship with each other, we can ask ourselves the question, are we honest and real with each other here in our church? Or do we smile to each other's faces, but we speak critical words behind their back? When someone asks if we're okay, do we tell them the truth or do we just appease what they need to hear and you don't really want to know how I'm doing and we never really share? Do we trust each other enough to reveal what's troubling us and where we're struggling? Do we do that? Are we a, forgi- are, are we a forgiving community? Are we forgiving each other? Or do we hold on to our grudges? Are are we standing with each other as Paul's loyal companion stood with Judea and Syntyche, or or do we withhold our support when things don't go the way we want it to go? This is what having deep water relationships with each other means. It means that we're able to restore any broken relationship that we may have with our fellow disciples. Paul urges Judea and Syntyche in verse 2. He says, To be of one mind with each other, in the lord what does that mean to be of one mind it means to be united we should be united we should be united for what for the sake of the gospel because at the end of the day we're going to we're going after the same thing aren't we we're going after jesus and we're going after other people to get to know we're on the same team can somebody say yes right we're on the same team we're going after people connecting with jesus and we want them to be raised up to follow him right? Become a follower, become a a disciple of Jesus, and even though we have our differences, can we coexist for the sake of the gospel? There's something greater that's happening here. Can we come together? I remember one time, man, you know I'm preaching when I got spit coming out of my mouth. Sorry, y'all, but I got spit. I just saw, sorry, thank God for carpet, Uh, but I remember one time we were going on a mission trip to Rwanda, about a group of eight of us, and we were on our way to Rwanda. We had a layover uh, stop in uh, a lot of these countries in Africa. You don't get to, there's no direct flight. You actually have to fly somewhere in Europe first, and then you get to fly in to some of these countries. And so we were on our way to Rwanda. We had to stop in Brussels. And, and so uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, the weather, uh, our plane got delayed And so we were circling around the airport, couldn't land, couldn't land, couldn't land. Finally got landed in Brussels, and our connecting flight left. We missed our connecting flight. And it was bad. It was so bad because Rwanda's not the highest tourist spot in the world. And so they don't fly there, but once every three days. So we were stuck in Brussels for three days. And Brussels is a little more expensive than Rwanda. Just FYI, they use euros there, and it's kind of pricey. And so we were not ready for ministry in Brussels. We were ready for ministry in Rwanda. And here we are, and I didn't know what to do. And I'm the leader of the team. Ah, I don't know what to do. What do we do? I don't even know how to get out of the airport. I've never been to Brussels. Ah, I don't know what to do. And so we're there. And by the way, Brussels was a place of a recent... Uh, attack, I, I think, just this week. Uh, so I was at that airport, of course, years and years and years and years when I was a young adult. <laughs> years and years. Anyway, so, so we, we get to the airport, and I just thought, you know what? I'm vineyard. I'm just gonna look for a vineyard here, and I found a vineyard in Brussels, and I reached out to the pastor. I said, hey, I know you guys don't know us, but we're from the vineyard in Miami, and we'd love to, we're here for three days anyway, if you guys have anything we could do, serve. We'd love to serve. And he uh, didn't call me right away, <laughs> but he's like, "What? What is this?" But he did call me, and we got to connect. And we went to the service there on Sunday morning, and we got to. M- he took us in, and he said, "Hey, you guys are going to be on my prayer team today." And So we got to pray for folks after service. He invited us over his house. He was having a meeting with some uh, folks, and he had us come over. and We got to spend time with him and the folks and build this relationship. And it was all, we didn't know each other from Adam. We didn't know each other from anybody, but we knew we were on the same team. We, were new, we knew that we were after the same thing, getting Jesus to be glorified. And so and it didn't matter if we were in Rwanda or we were in Brussels. The point is that we're here, and let's see what we can do. Can we coexist for the sake of the gospel? Can we do this together? They took us in. They were very warm to us. And as a, as a result, for years after, we would have some folks particularly one, would go year after year back to Brussels and serve in their summer children's ministry because we connected so well with this church. It was awesome. It was awesome. But being of one mind, being together for the sake, can we do this together? Fantastic. It was awesome. Now, it's not always as simple as that sometimes, though. Sometimes we need a little extra help. Like Udea and Syntyche, they needed this extra facilitator to step in and help. And apparently Udea and Syntyche, they, they needed this. And so Paul recognizes this, that they need a little extra help coming together. And so Paul is eager for these two women, important enough in the Philippian church that he calls them out by name, mind you, in the Bible. And Paul is saying, hey, what if we could get this right, Ud and Syntyche? what if we could come together and get this right what would the community around us be like if or the the church be like the community out what would happen if we could get this right if we could come back together what would happen to the proclamation of the gospel if we could get this right y'all because this is in your best interest to get back together and it's in our as a church as a church Zooming out as a, as a global church, because I'm not there, I'm, I'm overseeing, this is Paul, overseeing all these churches. It's in our best interest that this could, you guys could come together and become a vibrant picture of a forgiving people who forgive each other. And he wants them to become this tangible evidence of the mercy of God. What greater witness we can give to the grace of Christ than to extend that grace to each other in Christ's name? Can somebody say yes? Paul is adamant. You guys, we need this. He urges. The word is urge. He's adamant. We need this. We need to be of one mind. And I tell you, it's about loving your neighbor. And we don't know what it was that divided these two ladies, what it was, but but bro, sometimes we get so caught up in our giftings and the way we are wired that we pay no mind to having these deeper relationships with others that has more to do with the fruit of the Spirit than the giftings of the Spirit. We want the giftings, and we're so focused on the giftings, but we, God is calling us to love each other, and to serve each other, and to forgive each other. Listen to what Paul says in First Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have what? Help me out. Love. I am what? Help me out. Nothing. Who do you think you are that you can get away with not loving others by showing them a simple smile, a hug, or a how are you? Next week we're having a potluck here. And I want to challenge everyone to sit with someone you normally would not sit with. Mix it up and get to know others in our church. And I know that it's easy because some of us here have some years in history together. And so it's easy to gravitate towards the folks you know, but not next Sunday. We're going to do something different. We're going to encourage you to reach out, to sit. Uh, Pastor gave me permission to sit with someone I don't know. So I don't know you. I'm sitting with you. Cool. Cool. Alright? You have permission to sit with other people that you don't know and get to know them. And, and, and I want to challenge you to do this. Challenge us to step up in our game and let's sit with others we normally would not sit with. I know of a church that was growing a lot. They were growing in their, in their knowledge of the scriptures. People were maturing in Christ and becoming, uh, developing in their discipleship, followers of Jesus. But soon they realized that spiritual growth that people were getting, suddenly it stopped. And people just wouldn't mature. And the pastor finally asked some of these people that seemed stunted in their spiritual development. He said, well, what's going on? Well, you guys are part of our church, but you're, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're not growing. What, what's going on? And, and they confessed, well, we, we like the church, but it's, it's kind of cold. And I don't mean like the AC. I mean like it feels cold. Like it's just cold towards each other. And the truth is that they were right the church members they talked about being a friendly church but their behavior toward one another said otherwise and visitors they didn't know have to have to know all the details they just knew that there wasn't something quite right here and so they could sense people were tense and they could tell members were angry with each other and they could feel that forgiveness was being withheld and the pastor realized it that his own lack of forgiveness towards this other church member was also contributing to this big chill that was happening and, and, and so he had this, this ongoing disagreement with this other church leader and it was causing this ill feelings and so the pastor, he mustered the courage and he prayed and he called on the man who he was at odds with and the pastor, he did his part to resolve the issue and and, and soon after this it started to become evident. It became evident that, that people were starting to grow in their walks with God and the folks who had complained about the coldness of the church were, were two of the new, most passionate people about getting to know and grow in their relationship with jesus and when the pastor went to them and he asked them, he said what's what do you attribute this to why all of a sudden this newfound desire to grow in your maturity with jesus and they said well it just felt right all of a sudden you see when we stand in god's love when we stand together we stand for people who need to know jesus christ it just feels right all of a sudden When we're right with God and right with each other, we can make room for others. But when we refuse to be reconciled to each other, our brothers and our sisters within the church, we can be the roadblock that prevents those outside or even us from growing and knowing Jesus. Can somebody say yes? Yes. When we discover that, that winning an argument isn't as important as being united in Christ, we can know God's peace and let it guard our hearts and minds. When we discover that winning an argument isn't as important as being united in Christ. When we discover that, then we can know God's peace. We can know His heart and His mind for this world. Then we're in a position to offer Christ to others. And when they see how we love one another despite our disagreements, despite not being on the same page, but for the sake of the gospel. And we understand we need these deep water relationships with people. Others will see that within our church, outside of our church, and they'll want that. Yeah? yeah? The last deep water relationship I found here in Paul's letter to the Philippians, and I found this over and over again in the book of Philippians, is the encouragement to develop a deep water relationship with God. And he says this in a very joy-filled Way He says in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Yes, and I'll say it again. He says, rejoice. Our deep connection to God is developed through reading God's word and devoting ourselves to prayer. Reading God's word and devoting ourselves to prayer. It's simple. It's not rocket science. We can figure this out together. Reading God's word and devoting ourselves to prayer. And let's talk about it. We find joy in knowing that the sins we confess to God have been forgiven. That we've been given a clean slate. That our relationship with God has been restored. So every day as we spend time with Jesus, we are renewing our relationship with Him. And, and because of that relationship, we can demonstrate to others what a difference Jesus had made, has made in our lives. And he says in the the shortest sentence in this passage, and for Paul, this is pretty remarkable, a short sentence, because he kind of goes on and on and on and on. He says, the Lord is near. Four words. The Lord is near. Christ is near to us. Keeping our relationship with him fresh and whole. He's near, you guys. Remember that he's with us. If you do that, if you do that, you're going to feel this relationship fresh. You're going to feel it whole. You're going to have joy. And so the question is, which of these three essential relationships needs your attention this week? Let's take a moment right now to pray about that. Just, as, just between you and God, which of these three relationships? And let me strongly encourage you to especially consider the relationships you have with each other, our church members. Is there something that is not right in your relationship with someone here. Be real with God and yourself about the need for reconciliation. Close your eyes and just exhale slowly. Just listen for a moment. Simply ask God, where do you want to work in my life, in my relationships? Where are you calling me to be deep water, in deep water relationship with? Which one of these needs my attention? ask God to help make things right again. The end of Paul's letter verse 8, he says this finally brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Yeah. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me. Put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Listen, my beloved Dural Vineyard family, I am for you. I want the best for you. I want my dream is that you will be everything God has called you to be. I want to help you get there. Whatever way I can resource you, that's my goal. I love you too much to just beat around the bush and kind of, you know, blame others and play in the pee-pee pool. Yeah. <laughs> God's calling us. I can't believe I just said pee-pee pool. Pee-pee pool. God's calling us in the deep water relationships. And we're not going to do that unless we go deep with Him. This is the real deal. Life is too short to miss this stuff, you guys. We got to go after God no matter what.